Well, good morning. It's great to see you from this perspective again. I sit over here in the corner, and I don't get to see all the smiling faces as much as I like, but it's great to see you this morning. This morning, I'm going to be speaking to you on the subject of hope from Romans. And, uh, you know, we know the Romans is about faith. The word faith uh, is in the book of Romans so many times. You may not know this, but Martin Luther started the Reformation based on the book of Romans. Romans 1.17, as he read it, it gave him a lot of trouble. Romans 1.17 says, the just shall live by faith. He later wrote an introduction to the book of Romans. And here's what he said. This epistle is in truth the chief part of the New Testament and the purest of gospels. It would be quite proper for a Christian not only to know it by heart, but also to study it daily. For it is the soul's daily bread. It can never be read or meditated on too much and too well. The more thoroughly it is treated, the more precious it becomes. For certain, it's this book that brought Martin Luther a pious, unsaved Catholic priest to faith in Christ. Now as important as faith in Romans 1.17 is in, in the book of Romans, a special theme, let me ask you something, Rob, is that me causing the back, the scratchy sound? Do you hear anything out there? You do hear it? Okay. I'll take the microphone off if I need to. I think I can get up there. Okay. Um, okay. Well, anyway, um, I want to introduce you to a second theme in the book of Romans, and, and that it's closely related to faith. And it's essential for the Christian life, to live a life of joy and peace. And this may be especially for you if you're struggling with the difficulties of life, the cares of life, which so easily take us away and take our eyes off Christ. The text, uh, I think I might know the problem. I think this thing where the microphone was is still live, Rob. If we can turn it off. Well, I don't know where Rob went. <laughs> so, okay. Okay, so I'll, I'll just continue. Well, that is quite irritating. This one? Okay. 
Is that better? Thank you. Okay. Now let me get my thought back together. <laughs> well, our text today is about the subject of hope, and hope is mentioned 16 times in the book of Romans. Uh, it's some, Romans 15, 13 is our text. It summarizes what Paul has said about hope throughout this epistle. I want to read it to you from the New King James Version. The scripture says, Now, now, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I'd like to just pray for a moment as we pray that we ask the Holy Spirit to open, to enlighten the eyes of our understanding to the depths of this precious, very short verse. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven and the God of hope, we ask your spirit to work in our hearts and minds as we look into your word to know the hope of our calling in Christ, that we might know the joy and peace that you intend for us in Christ. Thank you for your truth. Help us to engraft it into our hearts that it might direct us as we serve you in the strong and joyful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me just say a brief word about my approach today. In our distinctives, our church distinctives, we've said that expository preaching is to be our primary way of preaching. I am going to give my best shot at doing expository preaching today. Um, you know what that's about. It's about setting the context of the scriptures. And then basically, verse by verse, and we've only got one verse today, so it'll be word by word, going through the scriptures and observing what the scripture says, what it means, and how it applies to us. And so that, that's my goal today as I go through, that we'll understand what Romans 15, 13 says. We'll know what it means, and we'll know how to apply it to ourselves might ask you the question to start out, why is hope important? Think about that for a second. I'll tell you why I'm going to answer my own question here. Do you know what the number one psychological problem, according to all the doctors and all the scientists is in the United States? It's not the loss of hope. It's anxiety about the future, about what's going on in their lives. It's the number one thing. If a person loses hope or begins to lose hope, they will be anxious. They'll be fearful. They'll begin to doubt why they're even alive. They may even take their life when they lose hope. That's why the Bible says 365 times, one time for each day, do not be afraid. 
Some of the forms are, do not be dismayed. Do not be overcome by what you're facing. We humans are a feeble lot. We need that kind of reminder because of our infirmities. Proverbs 13, 12 tells us, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Now, apart from God, apart from God, our very nature, our human nature, and the cares of this world, all by themselves are sufficient to cause each one of us to lose hope. But our human condition is worse than that. Ephesians 2.12 says those, those, all of those in this world who are apart from Christ, who are without Christ, have no hope and are without God in this world. Think about that. Well, what a motivation for our missions program to bring hope to those who are without Christ. But even for those who believe in Christ, there's danger of losing hope. John 10.10 is a verse that I hope most of you know and you have it memorized. Jesus is speaking to believers, to the sheep, that's us. He's the great shepherd, but he's speaking directly to the, about the sheep. And here's what he says about our enemy, Satan. The thief, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. Now, folks, he's thinking, he's talking about the sheep, the flock, the people of God. Even for believers, our enemy comes to steal our joy, to steal our hope, to end our testimony for Christ, to even take our lives if God permits it. And boy, I'd like to open that one up, but not today. Satan and his legions of fallen angels oppose God's will by attempting to destroy the lives of families, and churches of believers. Then in the same verse, <laughs> Jesus does give us hope. That's not the end of the story. He says this, but I, but I have come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Amen to that. I know you're saying that in your heart. Well, what is the focus of our enemy's attack on a believer? Where are we going with this? The enemy, in your own sin nature, and the cares of this world, wants to separate you from the trust, from the hope that you have in God. You think about it. Every one of you have had a tremendous trial of life a struggle, which maybe life may have been threatened. When that doubt begins, God, how can you let this happen to us? 
That's what, what's one of the first signs that your sin nature or, your, or the enemy is, uh, is prowling around, seeking whom he may destroy, as Peter, as Peter says. Well, in 1 Peter, Peter says this, 1 Peter 5, 8 through 10, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. That's the only way you can resist him, steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. But may the God of grace, of all grace, who called us to his eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. So why is hope vital? Hope is what anchors our soul in the face of adversity. Hebrews 6.19 says it this way. This hope we have in Christ is an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Drop the paper. I think all of us, or many of us, remember Dave Huther. When he was dying, I sent him this little point, this lyrics to a song called The Anchor Holds. Now, folks, David was much stronger in faith than me. <laughs> but I did take joy in encouraging him in his last days. Here's the closing line of this song. Well, I'm going to go back a little further. I have been young. I have been young. But I'm older now, and there has been beauty that these eyes have seen. But it was in the night through the storms of life. Oh, that's where God proved his love for me. The anchor holds, though the ship is battered. The anchor holds, though the sails are torn. I have fallen on my knees as I've faced the raging sea. The anchor holds in spite of the storm. Well, with that uh, bit of an introduction, that's that context I was talking about. Uh, Jesus says, or actually the word of the Lord through Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, 19 says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiful. The point he's, Paul was making in 1 Corinthians 15, 19, our hope is not on anything in this life. It is in Christ and in the life to come. That's where our hope must be placed. Let me share with you a, a testimony. I, you know, we don't hear a lot of personal testimonies in our church from the pulpit, and I was a little reluctant to bring this one. But I think it's tied so directly to, to the scripture that I'm bringing. I want to share this with you. It's kind of a story of our family life, immediate family in the last few years. 
many of you don't know this, but in May of 2014, our youngest daughter's husband of many years took his life. He, he was a co-pastor in a church, a growing church. I was 70 years old. It's the worst thing that has ever happened to me personally and our family in my entire lifetime. It was almost overwhelming. Consequences of that still continue. The two little boys who were left behind were 6 and 11. In October 2018, our daughter Suzanne lay at death's door in Emory Hospital, waiting for a liver transplant that did not look like it was coming. Remember Howard and Justin came up and both of them prayed that a liver would be delivered and she would get to go home soon. And I heard my daughter say something and I bent down to hear and she said, well, tell them I'm going home one way or the other. And a liver was miraculously provided almost within 24 hours. Tragically provided as well by a young woman who was shot in Clayton County and her parents offered up her liver. My daughter knows that family and has thanked them for it. Well, let me move on. This is a too long list. In July 2019, my dear wife had emergency surgery. The doctors had missed a 99% blockage in her lower ascending, descending order. A, I mean, an artery. That LAD artery is the one that's called the widow maker. It almost was a widower maker. In October 2019, <coughs> following my son's divorce, a second marriage, it wasn't working well. He was a combat veteran, Afghan, lieutenant in the local fire department. <coughs> he took his own life. He left behind a young son of seven years. It was then we had our first beginning to understand what PTSD for a first responder is like, who had served for 14 years on the front line of our community. <coughs> well, in 2018, I mentioned, I didn't mention, well, I mentioned my, my daughter lay dying and she, <coughs> she got the liver. <coughs> but in 2021, <coughs> she had six strokes. The last two took her vision, this made her severely vision impaired. In January 2022, my dear wife underwent an eight hour back surgery to recover, to recondition her entire spine. We slept downstairs for two months. We decided to sell our house right there, move to a single level, which we did three months later while she was still recovering. In June of 2022, Jackie and I both contracted COVID. We got over it, went through it pretty quick. Surprise, my first thought, I've got COPD and 
respiratory and heart issues. My first thought to the Lord, Lord, is this it? Is this how I and maybe my wife with me are going to go out? Well, you had to overcome that kind of thinking pretty quickly. <laughs> you could not live with that kind of thinking as a believer. Well, that was June of 2022, and then our church trouble started or became public about that time. A lot of stress for all of us on that. It's a time of great stress and loss. The same fall, 2022, Suzanne contracted COVID, followed immediately by shingles, followed immediately by pneumonia. We thought the Lord was going to take her home at that time. At the same time, Troy, her husband, was caring for his invalid dad. He began hospice at home where Suzanne was as well. And his dad died early this year. Well, in late November during Thanksgiving week, I contracted influenza A, was put in the hospital. It's the worst sickness that I'd had in 40 years. Almost took me out. I wasn't quite recovered from COVID, that's one reason. I've <laughs> been to the emergency room at least six or eight times since then. The nurses know me by name. That's the male and the female nurses. They recognize me. Jackie and I laugh when they come for us that we're frequent flyers. We're not getting any mileage on that. Well, February 2023, this year I had a heart implant to make sure I didn't have any strokes or, or, or blood clots. And in 20, June 2023, just last month, oh, thank you, appreciate it. <clears throat> in June 2023, I was diagnosed with an enzyme that is attacking my muscles. That includes my heart, <laughs> your most favorite muscle. Good news is it's not contagious. And it's likely not to be fatal. Uh, and, I'm, and it was caught early. So, in fact, I'm stronger right now than I've been in a year. And uh, thank you, Lord. And I don't share this to, to, you know, all of us have struggles. Our struggles are, you know, God gives us the grace to handle what he puts on us. There's no doubt about that. So it's not a matter of comparing our struggle with your struggle. Some of your struggles are worse than our struggles. That's it's not the point. It's not a competition, is it? <laughs> it's not. We're to bear one another's burdens, though. That's for sure from Galatians 6 2. Well, here's what I want you to notice about the God of hope. Well, let me back up. And I got to keep moving pretty quick. Hope is not a feeling. That's the main thing to understand. How you feel is not whether you have hope or not. We can think wrongly and unwisely and, uh, and lose our hope. It's not just a matter of, how, of thinking, and it's certainly not a matter of feeling. Romans 12.2 tells us 
that we're not to be conformed to this world, but we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, by scripture. That's how we get our thinking straight. Well, that's the purpose of scripture. God tells us in Isaiah 5, 8, and 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. That's why we need to spend time in the scripture. Biblical hope is above everything else, a belief, a firm conviction, and sure expectation of God's promises to us. What God has promised, he will do. That's where our hope comes from. You know, I've said Romans is a book of hope. As we'll see from the verse I've read, faith is indeed the foundation for hope. If you don't have faith, you will not have biblical hope. And it's through our hope in Christ that we begin to know the love of Christ. In Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, abide these three, faith, hope, and love, and the greatest is love. But you can't get there without the faith and the hope. And I think hope is probably, of the three, is the most under, under, most under, under, underutilized and less understood. That's one reason I'm focusing on it today. So the first thing to notice as we look at the God of hope in major, major point one, says, now may the God of hope. The first thing to see is this is a prayer request. It's a benediction, Steve Pizzini. Take note, it's a benediction. <laughs> if you don't use it today, maybe some other time. It's a great benediction. Well, the second thing I want you to know is to look, notice the first word, now. Now, if you got the English Standard Version, they didn't translate the Greek conjunction day, but it's in the New American, it's in the New King James, it's in the King James. This verse starts in the Greek with a conjunction now. I don't know why it wasn't picked up by other translators. It connects this verse with all the things that have gone before. And, and I'm going to cover this briefly, and this is not in your outline, but I'm going to go very fast. You can look in your Bible as I go through it. Paul, as he develops Romans 15, has a progression of thought that leads to this now. And let me just briefly tell you what it is. In 15.4, and Ron wrote this, read this this morning, for whatever things, and that means everything which was written before, was written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. And then in 1580 says, Jesus became a servant to the Jews to confirm the promises made to their forefathers so that the Gentiles, that's you and me, might glorify God. Then he makes a transition and he quotes four heavyweights from scripture. The first one is in Romans 15.9. Paul quotes David. Psalm 18.49 to say the Gentiles will confess Christ and praise his name. 
And then in verse 10, Paul quotes Moses and says, the Gentiles will rejoice with the Jews. In 1511, he doesn't quote a person, he quotes one of the most important Psalms in the book of Psalms, Psalm 117. It's from the Hallel, which means praise. It's a collection of, 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 of six Psalms right in the middle of Psalms that was used to praise God. And 117 happens to be the shortest Psalm, and it's that shortest chapter in the Bible as well, only two verses. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Again, that's you and me. Laud him, all you peoples. For his merciful kindness is great toward us, and the truth of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. And then lastly, in Romans 15, 12, he quotes Isaiah eleven ten, And he who shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles shall hope. Boy, what a setup for 15, 13. The hope you have, we have in God, in the God of hope, was long ago prophesied and promised. Now, and that's why he says, now we have that hope. That's the importance of that little conjunction word. Well, one word down, 27 to go. No, I'm not going to do that to you. Uh, let's look at this next part. Our God is the sole source of lasting hope. The Greek text in which this book was originally written says, the God of the hope. There's a definite article right before hope. Not just talking about any hope. The hope. The hope we have in Christ and in the scriptures. You know, in the promises of scriptures particularly. You, do you have any idea how many promises there are in the scriptures? If I were to give you an hour to write down all the promises of God that you know from the top of your head... How many could you write down? Some of you need more in an hour. Some of you may need be finished in five minutes. You know where you are. An estimate included in Herbert Lockyer's book, All the Promises of the Bible, made by a Canadian school teacher, came up with a total of 8,810. He's probably using the King James Version you're using a different version, you may come up with a different number. But that's a good, that's a good ballpark. Almost 10,000 quotes or promises. Now, there's a sense, Hebrews don't have a word, specific word for promise. They have many words for it. They believe every word of God is a promise. And you know, 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this about our promises. For all the promises of God in Christ are yes and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. Now he who establishes us with you in Christ as anointing us is God who also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. 
Guarantee of what? Guarantee of the promises. You think maybe that you just got the Holy Spirit to seal you for eternal life. Holy Spirit was given to us as a guarantee for all the promises of God. Well, you know how the hymn goes, standing on the promises. Standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. You know, we can't stand on the promises of God if we don't know the promises of God. And uh, Jeremiah 29.11, most of us have appropriated this verse made to Israel for ourselves. I think that's okay because the intent of Jeremiah 29.11 does apply to us. Here's what it says. God says, I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you a future and hope. It's okay to appropriate that verse. Hope it doesn't trigger anyone. Well, let's move on. God freely gives us the promises, and he freely gives us the strength. Now let me see, we're going to point to trust in God. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. That word may fill there, it's an error's tense. It means at a snapshot in time. It doesn't mean only one time in this sense. It could mean this time and this time and this time. But it's a specific snapshot specifically in time. Could explain that further, but I won't. Um, it does have the sense of, uh, of a prayer request. It, 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 it's may the God, I thought it was a subjunctive meaning, well, may or may not. No, this is a prayer request. May God do this for you. There are some conditions here to be filled with the fullness of God, as Ephesians 3.19 says. We're to know his word. In believing, that's the verb form of the noun faith. In believing, in trusting is another way to interpret it. You cannot trust in God's word if you don't know God's word. We've said that. Um, And the present tense here, in believing means continuous believing, constant believing. Now, if you're like me, there's times when you, gosh, I didn't follow through on God's word on that. God gives an out. We can confess our failures and get back in the game by confessing, God, I wasn't trusting you on that. Please forgive me. And then we start, we start anew, believing, believing, trusting, Trusting. Well, the second point, we're not only to know God's word, we are to obey that word. We're to trust and obey. I love quoting these old hymns. Trust and obey. How does it finish? Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus 
except to trust and obey. It's what I love about the old hymns we're singing. They're biblical. They take their, their words almost directly from Scripture. Okay, if we know and trust in God's word, we will receive God's joy and peace. That's the promise to us. Here's Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, coming to faith in Christ, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. That grace is the enabling of us to understand and to do what God has called us to do in his word. But it says, in which we stand, and get this, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character, what does character produce? Hope. I'll tell you what, I've preached through the book of James at least twice. My wife has never asked, always said, don't do that again. Because we always start with count it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance or patience. But let, let that have its perfect work in you, that you might be complete Lacking nothing. Well, that verse goes on to say, Now hope does not disappoint, because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Okay, let me come to the third part. That might be my respiratory problem coming through the microphone, come to think of it. Okay. Joy and peace. Now, I turned my outline in so early, and I continue to work on my sermon. Once I've started on a sermon, I work on to it till I preach it. I, I think that's common, right, Howard? You, do, you don't just set it aside. Oh, I'm done. God keeps working on you, so I... I've added some stuff to the outline. And uh, one, one of the things in this third Roman numeral here, a third part, joy and peace leading to abounding hope. That we might abound in the hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, the promise, the first point there, the promise of joy and peace in believing is what leads to abounding hope. Abounding hope is overflowing hope. In the amplified, bubble, uh, amplified version, it says bubbling over. I, I think of something bubbling over on the stove. No, that's, that's not what it... Abounding hope is just a outpouring of hope more than you can even comprehend. And I'll tell you what, I'm not talking about being ha-ha-ha happy when you're steadied by hope. Sometimes you may not be smiling when you're going through a rough time. 
but you're not mean-spirited. You're not grumpy. You're just trusting quietly, steadfastly in the Lord. And if you think about it, you may not look joyful, but you can be joyful knowing, God, you're with me in the trouble. God is with us in the trouble. And that's cause for joy. Well, that you may abound is a present tense, meaning it's continuous. It's not that one-time thing. It can be continuous and constant. Um, this is what is to characterize the life of a believer. We are to have, we're not to put aside our hope. When we put aside our hope, we need to confess it as sin. And that's a lot of confessing with the struggles that we have. Now here's a caution and a promise. Your life cannot overflow with hope, hope based on joy and peace, by your own efforts. You can't do it in your own strength. It's not possible. You don't have the capacity. You don't have the capability to abound in hope. Oh, you can get up, oh yeah. You know, in the flesh, you can seem like you have hope. But that's a shallow, not long-lasting hope. It's the same kind of hope you might have. You know? Well, it's called a hope-so-hope. I hope it doesn't rain Saturday. Well, it might rain Saturday, regardless of your hope. So we're not talking about a hope, a hope so hope. Now, if you're a follower of Christ and, and generally known as someone who goes around in a perpetual sullen look on your face and you always have a grumpy critical disposition, you might want to take notice of this caution and the closing part of this message. The promise of power is in this verse, that you may abound in hope by, through the instrumentality of the Holy Spirit who indwells you, who's already with you, who's in you ready to take action. First Peter, uh, Ephesians 1.19 says, this is that first prayer of Ephesians. I preached on it about six months ago. Paul is praying for the church at Ephesus and he says that you may know, Ephesians 1.19, that you may know what is the hope of your calling. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? And listen to this. What is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe? Peter knew all about failures, losing hope, three denials, had to stand in front of Christ after he did that. Here's what Peter says, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 6. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has borne us again, begotten us again, 
to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. We have a living hope because Christ is with us. Earlier past sermons, Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1.27. Christ in you, with you, for you, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, very Spirit of Christ can provide the power needed in the struggles we all face to have joy and peace and continue believing. Well, let me share some cl closing thoughts. Our hope is renewed in Christ himself. When we go to God through the scriptures, we're asking for that indwelling spirit of Christ according to his promise to us, his guaranteed promise to us, that he will re-strengthen us with his hope, renew our hope. Well, we can be assured that he'll answer that prayer. I love this scripture verse. And, you know, Todd and I both served with 101st called the Screaming Eagles. Airborne comes out of the sky. You can see the... But here, here's what I like. Here's where I found the Screaming Eagle in Isaiah, of all places. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like an eagle. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Back to Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 17 through 21. Peter says, and if you, he's speaking to you, and if you call on the Father, knowing that you were redeemed not with corruptible things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. I'm going to close with this verse. It comes from Ephesians 3, verse 20 and 21. Some of you know what that is. It is a promise of God to provide us the power we need to live according to his word, to know the joy and peace of believing and trusting in God through that word, and here's what it says. It's also a benediction. Now, to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power who works, 
I'm so, the power that works in us to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. You know, I mean, amen is always after the promises. So be it. Let it be so. I've got a few things just by way of application. The Holy Spirit has made application of this truth in your personal life. That's the whole point of opening it up. You see how it applies to your life, even as I'm in preaching. But here's some helps. Ways to uh, strengthen your hope in God. Well, start by memorizing Romans 15, 13. What I didn't say, and I gotta say this. You know, it was my dear wife who discovered Romans 15, 13 in the Bible. I say discover, it's been there 2,000 years. <laughs> we had just overlooked it. But at the death of our son, she was reading her devotion one day and came across it, and it like jumped off the page, blinking lights, bold decks, and it so ministered to her heart, she brought it to me and shared it with me. And I could see that immediately how it affected her and it began to affect me. Her trust in it began to move over to me. Well, I'm not too handy with my hands, but I went and made this little plaque for her. It's got a yellow rose. She's from Texas, right there. It's a family symbol. And I made this for her. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13. Yeah, I wrote a little personal note, which I'm not going to read. <laughs> Called her my sweetheart. We still do that at 50 years of marriage. What I want you to see is this verse is very special, not only to us, it can be special to you in the struggles that you're going through. And, uh, and with that, I think I will just say, end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us today, amongst us, within us, opening, enlightening the eyes of our understanding to the beauty and the truth of your word. Father, we just confess that apart from you, we just wouldn't make it. We would not have the hope we need to persevere. Thank you for making it the anchor of our soul. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.